This is Brian Bailey from Charlottesville, Virginia, and I'm joined with Mark Sweeney from Windermere, Florida. We are your guides to this episode of In the Hunt. We are going to bring clarity to this complex game of golf and help you reach your next level of performance. So if you're ready to step up your game, join us on The Hunt. Welcome to this episode of In the Hunt. This is Brian Bailey here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, of course, I'm joined with Mark Sweeney in Windermere, Florida. Mark, what's going on? Uh, same as always, beautiful weather here. I've been teaching a ton. Um, it's Sunday, so I'm just chilling up, catching up on work. Got the awesome. boys from across the pond yeah, back in the game, finally. That's right. We got we got two uh, others joining us today. We have uh, Gareth from Ireland. And we, of course, we have JD from, I can't remember, some other island. Um, uh, boys, how are you guys doing? Good. We're, we're getting some good news tomorrow from our intrepid leaders, who hopefully will be telling us that we're allowed to play golf again. Because if you, if you didn't know, uh, COVID <laughs> loves golf. So if you play golf, you're definitely going to get COVID. So we've been, uh, we've hard, I don't think I've played golf for six months. I don't think there's any case worldwide of anybody catching COVID on the golf course that I've heard of. I don't exactly. even think they've got a case of them catching it on major sports anywhere. Mm. Uh, tennis, tennis uh, definitely had a little situation. <laughs> Did they? Is that yeah. really a sport? Though? They didn't catch it on the on the court though. <laughs> they didn't catch it playing each other. They, they didn't catch it playing each other. They're fifty yards you, apart. <laughs> you guys know much more about what happens off the tennis court than I do, so I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll have to have a talk about that sometime. <laughs> Very good. Well, well, today's episode is going to be a little bit of fun. Really driven by a comment of a listener to Mark it was uh, when he was traveling recently. And we took the month of January off and he said, you know, what is the dumbest thing that you've heard in golf? So we're going to kind of structure that in a little bit here. We're going to say, what's the dumbest cliche that you hear all the time in golf? Maybe the dumbest lesson or um, video or instructional piece that you've saw that was, you know, not well produced or just really bad information and then just just maybe even the dumbest things we've said to people god knows i know jamie donaldson could go on for months um but you know so really so we're going to kind of look at uh taking some of these pieces like let's look at the dumbest cliches anyone have a good cliche that they hear all the time that drives them crazy let's mark mark you go first okay. uh, i wasn't prepared for a cliche i was prepared all right, for, for <laughs> all right here we go like you know, like y'all i like all right. How about uh, everybody drive- knows what the dumb ones that I always complain about? And which how about are- the drive for show, putt for dough cliche? That one probably irks me more than anything. Very Anyone want to jump in on that? Moment. Very popular I'd, at the moment, isn't it? I'd like to hear why that irks you, Brian. Well, yeah. Well, putting is a link, a link to scoring. Uh, it, you can, you know, make a round better or worse with putting. And driving, you can make a round better or a little bit worse. Um, and we've come to learn. Uh, the worst predictor in scoring is actually fairways. So, you know, what we're doing is we're taking two marginalized pieces, but there's a huge chunk in the middle that nobody ever talks about. So if you're driving for show and putting for dough, approach is everything. And, and we've learned that inside of Game Forge. Your ability to hit greens and then your ability to hit it in certain positions is much bigger influence on, on score than the actual being able to move a ball out, you know, so many yards at, at certain accuracy or – uh, again, what rate we 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 convert at? Because again, they, you can only convert so high, and you can only hit or miss so many fairways. But that 
that approach shot is just, you know, it's like the stepchild. Nobody ever talks about approach and approach is much more influence, influential on predicting score and seeing score than, than people give, uh, than they give it credit. How is that Mark? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. The whole point of driving it well is so that you can hit a good approach shot, you know, on PJ tour, pretty much everybody is between seven and nine fairways, like the whole field, you know, the longer guys, when they're in the fairway, they're closer up. They tend to be a little stronger out of the rough, which helps. Um, but all it is, is putting yourself in position to hit it inside 20 feet and make a birdie. So the ultimate, the ultimate limit let this test for ball striking is just how often you hit inside 20 feet. Right. You can't be a good putter if you don't hit inside of 20 feet because you're not going to make birdies. And that's how we kind of deem a good putter, how many birdies and, and things along that line. And I'll, I'll never forget when we first started all this, we had the what it what does the worst player on tour do better than the best player on tour? Fairways. <laughs> yeah, the top they, 10 on tour. They tend to outproduce. Tend to hit fewer fairways. The top 10 money list tend to be lower. Look at Dustin Johnson's fairways are below average for sure. Yeah. Very much that. How about you boys across the pond? Do you hear anything about that? Well, yeah, I mean, but you know, uh, the, the whole drive for show, it's not always about hitting a fairway, is it? It's about, you know, getting a lot of distance, making the second shot shorter. So it'd be interesting to see on those, you know, missing a lot of fairways, but if you're an extra 50, 60 yards down the, down the, uh, the golf court, golf hole, the second shot's got to be easier, right? I'll let Mark tackle that one. Well, as long as you're in the fairway, and if you do the analysis and say, at what point are you better in the fairway farther away than closer to the green in the rough? The answer is like 90 yards. Like you're better off 90 mm-hmm. yards back in the fairway than 90 yards farther up in the rough for your typical player. Um, you get about the same in position. So it's not even close um, unless you're a really strong player you know, you know, like the really long, strong guys, you get in the rough. It just doesn't matter. There's hacking it out. But on average, yeah. you're better off way further away in the fairway more often rather than farther up in the rough less often, you know, less often in the fairway. So there's a balance there. You kind of have to figure out the balance. Um, but there is a pretty good formula for it. And it depends a little bit on the player for sure. So, yeah, there's another great cliche, bomb it. Get, I, we did a podcast on that not too long ago, bomb and gouge, what's it really worth? And, and again, it, it, it's not nearly what the uh, commentators and the, uh, a lot of the intelligentsia inside of the golf world that are telling you, more distance, more distance, who cares, who cares? It's better to be this and this. And the data just doesn't support a lot of that as a finding. Um, I think another good cliche is the harder I train, the luckier I get. Uh, that's one I hear all the time. Uh, GMAC, you got any uh, response to that? How long you got, Brian? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, we got a 45-minute show, so clock starts now. Well, I guess if you, if you train that which you've been doing and continue to train it, you'll get more of what you've been getting, right? So you're not going to get better. You're just going to get more of the same thing. Uh, and the more ingrained that becomes, the harder it will become to do anything different should you need to. Um, and I got to say, I, I hate seeing kids on various social media platforms posting about how hard they're working. I'd love to see people working smarter. I think Game Forge gives you that channel where you can look at where you need to become more proficient and, and start to do so. Um, harder is not harder look there's always somebody who's prepared to work the extra minute 
hour, whatever it is. But that doesn't guarantee better. It just guarantees you're you're probably exhausted. You're frustrated. You'll get sick of going to train at some stage because you are exhausted, and and you're not going to see you're not going to see the dividend at the end that you you really should. So, um, for anybody listening, it's not about practicing hard. It's about practicing smart. And and GameForge gives you that channel with the appropriate coaches and a performance coach is critical at that point to guide you and to assist you in, in devising the correct practice plan. Very good. I like the shameless plug. Uh, we'll, I'll send you five bucks for that one. Uh, Jamie Donaldson, what are your thoughts on that? Mute. Mute. Jamie sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's the best point you've ever made, Jamie. That was very brevity. I love that. Okay, next yeah. question. <laughs> um, yeah, the more you practice, the luckier you get. I think that, that you know, that just um, translates to you need to do a lot of practice if you're going to compete. I think it's a trick to just try to convince people to practice more. I do. I do. I agree. I think it's, yeah, what does luck come from? I don't know. I think if you're prepared, you, you get pretty lucky. I think that's that's just called preparation. But, you know, what, what do we know? We're just golf coaches. Um, this one's for Mark Sweeney, the, the putting guru of us all here. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Putt, um, never up, never in. You must love that. How many times do you hear that in a month? Well, I hear it all the time. And, and you know, I don't mind it for birdie putts. You know, yes, you need to get the ball to the hole. But where – you know, where it really breaks down and, and screws over some players is they think four feet past the hole is better than being short, hmm. um, which it's not. You know, I'd rather have you be six inches short than four feet past where you've introduced a three putt. And you know, we've all seen juniors and college players three putt from 15 feet many, many, many times. So, yes, you want to be past the hole, but there's a limit. You know, for me, it's two feet past. It's kind of your maximum but that only applies for birdie putts. When you go to lag putts, you really you kind of want an equal number of long and shorts because you're trying to reduce your overall dispersion around the hole. And if you're trying to get everything to the hole at 50 feet, your longs are going to be seven or eight feet long and you're almost guaranteeing three putts there, right? So so there, there is a speed strategy to putting depending on the length of the putt. It has to be trained and you don't want to be leaving birdie putts short, but but there's there's a maximum range also. And, and I get players who, you know, I was doing this drill with with good junior players and we were at five foot and they kept hitting it five feet past the hole. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? And they're like, well, we don't want to leave it short. I'm like, you just three putt it from five feet. Like that's literally one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. And it just didn't cross their mind because, you know, they were told just make sure you get to the hole at all cost, which is not the right way to think about it either. And, and what, and kind of let's go to Jamie, let's take that and maybe a little version off of that on it. You, you missed it on the low side or, or I, I missed it on the pro side. That's another great one that I hear all the time. Definitely. I think, I think there's, there's times when you're quite happy to miss it in a certain place. Uh, and it's retrospective for the length of putt as well. Um, if you go straight outside a sort of 25 feet uh, where you're just trying to two putt everything, then the overread, and cozying up somewhere high side is always going to be a, a good miss. Um, you know, it, it, no one wants to miss low, really. And there's no real point in missing low. Um, so so I'd, I'd, I'd quite happily get people missing high a lot, or what they call the pro side, and that may be where that, that comes from. Um, but, you know, the, the, the never up, never in, I think it's quite often a, a phrase that someone would use when they leave a putt short and it's there to... to 
to mask the embarrassment or maybe, you know, the, they, they've left a putt short, a birdie putt from 10 foot, a foot short. Oh, never up, never in. Or it's someone in their group who wants to, <laughs> wants to heckle them by saying it. So it's, <laughs> it depends what contents it comes in, I guess. And, 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 and Gareth, kind of thinking off that level, with, with, when these mindsets are being taught to young golfers, and and how how can you know that comment being said by dad or a golf coach? How can that actually kind of affect learning and, and training and, and a belief system in the future for that that player? Brian, that's a great question. I just wonder if I throw that back to you for a second because you're oh, going to yeah. do your golf in your hands right in your house right now. Uh, well, I mean, if you said that to Gavin, what do you think the ramifications would be? Oh, I talk smack to him all the time, so I'm trying to be better. <laughs> Um, That's the you know, problem. Never There's too up, many Brian's in. in the game. Never up, never in reeks of male ego. I'm going to reshape the back of the hole from three to five feet because you got to smash in and show the world that you're in control of what you're doing. And, and as Marcus said, three putting from five feet is never a good look. I don't care who you are or what you're putting for. <laughs> so, um, and, and, and what people need to realize is a miss is a miss. That's fine. But what are the ramifications of that miss? Can you, can you control what happens thereafter? Or have you missed something to the degree where it's going to have a dramatic effect on your score? Um, yeah. Oh, never up, never in. My God. I mean, I've never <laughs> seen the golf hole. I've never seen the golf hole run after the ball either. So five feet short, five feet past. It's, it's, it's kind of the same, same thing. Um, from a look from a training perspective, as Mark said, yes, birdie putts. You want to get you want to get comfortable getting the ball to the hole, but there's a difference between getting it to the hole and being unnecessarily aggressive, and that's what we're trying to get across here. Ultimately, I think. Nice and and Mark, kind of go circling back to you, that comment uh, for for the really high end player tour pro. What does that look like? You said twenty feet and in, getting birdie putts there. What what does that averagely look like? And and you know, what would be a training component that you could share with people to maybe get their speed um, somewhere near uh, the ability of a tour pro? Yeah, I mean, the, the believe it or not, the average leave 20 feet in on tour players, two feet um, when they miss. It's two feet from the hole, which is a little bit longer than what you would think. Um, but, the, but you know, 10 feet in, they leave very, very few short. I'm talking a couple percentage points short. At 20 feet, they're only leaving about 10% short. Um, so when you're training, I always, I always try to train a window behind the hole six inches to two feet where you're creating a box or more of a wedge looking thing. Um, minimum six inches past the hole, birdie putts maximum two feet. And that's a surprisingly hard window to hit for, for people who are below tour level. Um, tour players are pretty darn good at it. Their speed dispersion is a lot better than you think. Um, you know, when we've talked about Dustin Johnson not leaving a single putt short at the Masters 20 feet in. He also didn't put anything longer than three feet past the hole for the whole week at the masters. You know what I mean? So that, you know, that they, their speed control is dramatically better, but it can be trained and it has to be trained. And I don't know a whole lot of amateur junior golfers that really hammer speed control to that level. No, I agree with that. And yeah, you know, for those that are listening and game forge members, uh, we just added some putting graphs and you'll see a lot of this inside of game forge. We just added and kind of just going through that. I was amazed as we were going through all the different tour players on how well they track distance control past the hole, how, how well they are, or how their dispersions around the hole are. It's, it's absolutely amazing when you look at a tour player and then we call some juniors and some collegians, some amateurs. And it was a, it was a clown show in relationship too. So, so that, that concept of how good they are at controlling 
you know, the, the putter and, and distance control is absolutely phenomenal. So that's about as serious as we're going to get on this show. So uh, <laughs> now let's jump into what is one of the weirdest, dumbest, craziest lines you've heard from a player, coach, or anything along that lines. And I'm going to close my eyes and Jamie Donaldson, you are the winner. What, give us a, just something wacky in the golf world. <laughs> oh, well, you know, we have to be careful, don't we, if we're going to, to... Nobody listens to this podcast anyways. We don't have to be careful at Jamie, all. Jamie, I okay. think you should name names. Go ahead. No chance. So <laughs> I'm going to put pictures up of the people he's talking about uh, in the edit. Well, I'm, I'm not going to talk about a specific person. I'm going to talk about a specific practice that Mark and I both witnessed. And perhaps their coach got them to do it. But Mark and I were... Well, I will never forget this one, by the way. This one literally had me needing to go to the pub to get a beer because I was this shaking is, afterwards. This is the Killeen Castle one. Are you talking about St. Andrews? Yes. Killeen Castle. St. Andrews. Oh, right. Well, I'll... That's all right. You do, you do which one you're thinking of. Yeah. It, um, it was a similar issue, but um, we were at Killeen Castle, Solheim Cup, and we were watching some of the players warm up. Um, and it, it was an American player. So obviously someone on your side of the pond got it wrong. And she was practicing kind of around five foot, maybe a little bit less. Um, and a, a tee peg was down for correct aim. Uh, first putt, which was a good speed, missed low. Second putt, which was similar speed, kind of caught the, the bottom edge of the hole, kind of had a look at it and then started to hit the next putt super hard and the ball was literally she had hit it so hard that it would hit the back of the cup almost jump up in the air and then it would go in so we watched this for about 15 20 minutes um so she was practicing absolutely having to smash putts in um but then what was amazing was she went around the other side keeping the tee peg exactly where it was and, and did it again so perhaps this is a drill that she had been taught um that break is identical from each side of the hole which we know really isn't the case. Sounds like so. Vector to me. <laughs> yeah. Sounds and, and a lot that... like Vector, doesn't it? With the wrong yeah. breaks. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It sounds, like, sounds like Vector with never up, never in. Yeah, <laughs> yes. well, maybe, maybe because the single point of aim is so flawed that never up, never in had to be used to have any chance of some more putts going in. Hey, nothing breaks, nothing breaks at the speed of light. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we watched that, didn't we, for about 30, 35 minutes, then the, you know, nice. um, but it was, a, it was a, go have a pint afterwards. <laughs> we did have, we did have to go and have a pint after that. And the scary thing is we, you know, maybe a year later we're at the British open at St. Andrews and we saw a, a training mat set up. Similar From your side of, of the pond, just for the record. This was one of our players <laughs> and, 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 you know, it was set up incorrectly and the ball was missing and, uh, the player with him trying to steer it in and all sorts. And it just, it just looked abysmal. I mean, you could just watch the stroke. Uh, she was getting more and more frustrated because she couldn't make the putt without pulling it or jamming it. And her yeah. coach was sitting there watching the whole thing and nobody fixed it. With his arms crossed, sort of nodding the classic pose. Yeah. Maybe classic scratching his chin. Pose. Scratching his chin. Well, and after watching this, Jamie and I looked at each other and went, she's done. She's going to miss the cut. And she didn't miss the cut. Yeah. Like she's wrecked already and haven't even started yet. Well, good news is she had time to go to the pub afterwards. Well, we had time to go to the pub. That's for sure. We have a great picture of it in my office of us at the pub. That day. <laughs> yeah, we went straight to the pub and, and stayed then there. I think we, and then watched <laughs> and a walk past. <laughs> and we were still in there. <laughs> uh, 
I know collegiately we used to always laugh because you'd go to these college events and people would snap chalk lines every like you go to a putting green and it looked like a, a chalk line factory. They're just chalk lines everywhere. And our players would get on chalk lines and they'd start rolling and be like, this can't be right. Like people were snapping chalk lines that were just, yeah, they're breaking, you know, they're 3% breaks and they're having it as a dead straight putt from five feet and going, I'm like, man, they are really masking some issues there. Had the, had the tide gone out or anything like that that would affect the break? <laughs> It got so bad that I would literally see coaches go over there and take a putter and beat the green and try to create a channel because it was snapped so poorly that they could try to get it in the channel and it would go to the hole. I mean, yeah, you, you can't imagine what you see at a college golf course or like the pre-event, what's actually set up. You know, the, the tour does a really good job of putting out a bunch of aids so they can make money. Uh, but the college kids actually believe in these aids. And it, it, it literally it's a it's a it's a clown show on the putting green of just all the chaos that people bring to the putting green. But that wasn't mine, mine to share, but it just reminded me of that. How about you, G-Mag? What was a uh, one of the things that you've seen or saw or lesson that you were just shook your head about? Brian, I just read overnight that because a Mars Perseverance rover has landed on Mars, it's having an effect on gravity, which is going to affect putts going forward. <laughs> Oh no! Wait, that's um, <laughs> the 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 one thing I think year on year that really irks me is well, we're bringing out our new driver, and you're going to be twelve to fifteen to twenty to a hundred yards further, and this is being slated for the last thirty years. So each and every one of us theoretically are hitting the ball about a thousand yards on average. Um, Bryson's golf ball lands beside that Mars Perseverance rover <laughs> and, and uh, he's got a really tough second shot because he can't breathe up there. So, yeah, I, I think the I think the, the, the stuff the manufacturers are selling us, what that what that does, which is a little bit toxic, is it stops people to take responsibility for going out and actually learning how to do the simple stuff. Get the ball in play, learn to hold the putts, get your speed control under under control uh, rather than buying something on a whim in the hope that it's going to change things for you, which is probably not, let's be honest. I know this, by the way, because I've bought them all and tried it all. <laughs> and I have not gained a thousand yards. You're not a thousand yards yet? No, no, not yet. I'm, I'm getting close. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm probably 900 short of it. Yeah. <laughs> Downwind, downhill. And by the way, the older you get, the, the more distance you lose. I don't care what driver you're hitting. Yeah, but the more attractive you become to the cart girl. That's <laughs> that in your own mind. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's not included in my green fee, sir. <laughs> yeah. Mark, how about yourself? Was there a crazy moment or a. Yes. A, I'm going to relate a story that I heard last week. This was not said to me directly. Cause I think I would have had an aneurysm on the spot. Um, but this was related to me by a friend of mine who was teaching a player. And he said, how do you read greens? And the student said, I, I just look for which direction the flag shadow goes on the green. Wow. Yeah. Dead serious said, well, if the flag shadow is to the right, then I assume it's breaking to the right. And he looked at this player and said, well, how do you account for the shadow changing during the day? And kind of stumped the player. And he said, well, that's why I'm here, obviously. <laughs> Jeez. But in all seriousness, in all seriousness, with with the lack of having any other method to read greens, he was saying, "I look for the shadow. I follow the shadow." It's going to be right half the time, if he's lucky. <laughs> if he's really lucky. Yeah, that's right. Every <laughs> clock is right twice a day, right? Yes. 
cut that in half because it's dark half the day. So once a day, one time during the day, one one moment during the day, it'll be correct. Isn't you, that the isn't that the same as single point of aim? Uh, it's <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. It's close. <laughs> yeah, there's, if you took a clock face, there's there's about two two points where it works. Yeah, it's right in one point. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think my favorite single correct point of aim. I think my favorite—that's correct that. once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite uh, bad coaching story. It was when I was coaching collegially. Uh, we were at an event. It was in between the second and third round. Um, we were playing like dog doo doo, so we were out of the tournament. And so me and the other coach, we were just sitting by the putting green, just kind of just enjoying the day. One of the leader teams comes up and the the girl jumps in the bunker and she's just hitting the most shallow bunker shots, hitting a foot behind the ball, you know, can't get the ball out of the bunker, just can't control it. The The coach gets in there and is just like, uh, you're, you're too steep. See that big divot? You're way too steep. So they kept shallowing her out and they're in the putting green and I'm sitting there watching this travesty go on and they get shallow around she's sitting further behind the ball can't get it out of the bunker frustration frustration and i looked at my uh my head coach at the time and i go if you gave me a minute i could go in there and fix that poor girl by steepening the path a little bit and actually get her to hit it out and so we, we came up with a tv show we were going to call it a kind of like name that tune be like i can fix that player in one minute i can fix that player in 30 mm -hmm. seconds so anybody out there that wants to uh, create a golf reality tv show about about that you you have rights to it I, i'm not going to do anything with it but but the, just the concept of a high end coach <laughs> well unless it makes millions then well, no, you probably just said that it's over now <laughs> but but it was just fascinating to watch a high end coach high end <laughs> player just bad information and just building frustration and frustration and well, the diagnosis was wrong. And, you know, the application, you know, the treatment was since the diagnosis was wrong, the treatment was wrong. It was just getting worse. And I felt for the player, but in competitive spirit, I said nothing and walked away. Good job. Is that one of those times when the coach is so far invested in his description of what's going wrong that he can't even reverse? He can't back out of that one. He has to keep keep justifying it, keep waffling. I don't know what it was, to be honest, because it was, yeah, I think it was just the a lack of understanding of what the issue was. You know, when they saw big, lots of sand being thrown, they were thinking steep and fat, you know, just digging big sand. Well, they weren't digging trenches. They were hitting these shallow, long scrapes. Uh, I don't know. I, but like I said, I just, I literally watched it for about seven minutes and I just ended up walking away because I was like, man, that's just painful. Yeah, Just, we've all yeah. been there. Oh, we'll be there again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but then again. There's probably other coaches who say that about our coaching. <laughs> oh, I guarantee it. Yeah, but they're not yeah. on this podcast. That's right. Uh, yeah. True. They don't they don't have they don't have a voice. They've been deplatformed. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they must have voted for Trump. Sorry. Yeah. I have a so I have a I have a good one I'm gonna throw out there. I was I was asked by a very well known coach, European, your side of the pond, Jamie. <laughs> he said, he said, I, I just have a question. He goes, at what point do you have to start playing break on a putt where you just can't hit it in straight in the middle firm? And I'm thinking, you know, two and a half, three feet, maybe not even three feet. And he goes, he goes, I think that's kind of nine or 10 feet. What do you think? 
And I literally just gave him this stupid look, which I mean, which comes naturally to me, but I just literally just <laughs> had no idea what to say about that. Jamie, you know, it was, you were, I think there when it happened. Yeah. It does ring a bell. It does ring, but he absolutely did. I'm like, if you're telling your players to hit it dead straight and firm up till 10 feet, God help all of them. I didn't say yeah. that, but I was certainly thinking I'm still Follow- thinking that was like 10 years ago. Followed by never up, never in. Yeah. <laughs> the breaks at the speed of light. Because <laughs> they've got to smash it to get it there. God, golf is a great game, isn't it? I'm yeah, amazed yeah. on how many golfers succeed with all this bad coaching. <laughs> yeah. Not many do if you think about it. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Only, what is it, the top 1% of golf golfers have, shoot far better. So 1% of all golfers, 5% to break 80, somewhere around that line. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, the so, average, uh, us coaches need to step up a little bit. The average handicap's been around 23 for 15 years. But I hit it a, a thousand yards now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there a, what about uh, Mark kind of threw in a, a, a caveat at the end and he kind of said, what is one of the dumbest things that you've actually said to a group? Or to a player where now, you know, you've learned more or you've had self-reflection to go, maybe that wasn't the best advice or the, the best nugget of information. So uh, I'll open the floor to whoever wants to jump in and uh, humiliate themselves first. I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> I remember saying to a guy, I was trying to tell him he needed to get out of his own way, but I told him he was interfering with himself. <laughs> brilliant <laughs> so I sat, I'm sat. there and I went look you're interfering with yourself and then I went oh my god I just thought and, and I knew what I meant but anyway yeah so that 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 was interesting at best uh, I think he's okay <laughs> I think he's okay I, I can't sure think of any things on that <laughs> I, yeah me I do I things worse than that every day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doesn't sound bad at all to me. I, I was like, I would have just kept going. Normal. That I wouldn't have reflected on that in one bit. That's why I can't wait to hear you guys answer this question. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Jamie, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I honestly give me a minute. I'll go. I'll think of one. Um, I mean, I probably say one every single time I'm coaching. I just, I just can't think of one. So we'll have Sweeners next. I can then, think uh, of a few for you, Jamie. That were do, do one for me then. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm going to let you yeah. tell the story because yeah. I wasn't there when you when you were trying to one thing Jamie's famous for is when he teaches internationally, he always tries to learn a couple of words in the local oh, language and yes. sprinkle them out there. <laughs> right. Yes. And that can that can you know, he's trying to be like, uh, you know, I'm here in Spain or Poland or wherever. I'm just going to I want to get a word for break or putt or curve or line or read. Yeah. I'm going to throw it out there in the lesson. So Definitely. how does that go for you? Well, there's there was two two instances, and one of them I can't repeat on here. The oh, Italian I was so one. You're going to say that, but go ahead. Do the next one. I can't. It's not it's not safe. The Italian one is for another time, but I will tell you the one that happened when I was in um, I was in Croatia, and the, the uh, head pro was uh, Spanish, uh, but obviously spoke Croatian. Um, so no Czech. Sorry. So we're in Czech. And um, so he's he's still Spanish, but there, there was a Czech group, <laughs> and and I've asked him what is what's the word for break, and he said corve, which was Spanish. So I proceeded to give a class to a load of uh, 
you know, they're not, they're not under 18, but they were young players. And I'm, and I'm talk, I'm saying the, the, the Czech word for break, the Czech, no, the Czech word for slope, the Czech word for speed, and I'm throwing it out there. And then I start talking about um, how much Cordovay did you see? And they're like, they're looking at each other and I'm going, Cordovay, you know, Cordovay, and going on about Cordovay, Cordovay, Cordovay. And after a while, it, it kind of the lesson kind of stopped because everyone was, I guess they're a little bit shocked or a little bit derailed. And I said, what, what, what is the word I'm saying? And this guy just leaned forward. And he said, Corvey is a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> and you're asking us if we can see the hooker or a prostitute. <laughs> oh, I nearly died. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. I love that. Yeah, the, the Italian one is, is if any, I tell you what, if anyone, if I ever meet one of the six people that listen to this and you asked me, I'll just remind me to tell you the Italian story because that's that is amazing. <laughs> amazing. Every piece of the story is amazing, but I can't, I could never tell it, <laughs> let it be recorded. Fair enough. How about you, Mark? I feel, like, I feel like I was trapped. I think you set me up for that, didn't you, you lot? I just no, I just thought of that on the spot actually. Wow. That's a normal I, occurrence to me. I just think it's part of a lesson. <laughs> well, we haven't done a clinic overseas in a year and a half or more now. So it's just reminiscing to the good old days. Amazing. I uh so my the one that popped into my mind, I was teaching Wendy Doolin, who is an aimpoint instructor, but also a LPJ player for many, many years. And we were talking about optical illusions, and I was like yeah, you know, aimpoint players usually play really well at, at places where there's difficult optics, like um, out in the desert and at Evian, they usually do really well. And I go, have you ever played Evian? And she looked at me stone cold and goes, yeah, I won there, you idiot. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, good for you. Well, then, you know, <laughs> she's like, yeah, that was my LPGA win at Evian. Nice. So it, it just train it just teaches you to maybe do a little research on your on your players before you work with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty good there once. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, I have been there, idiot. <laughs> uh, let's see. I, I I never make any verbal gaffes or anything, so I can't really feel you. You don't have to type it out or spell it. I have, oh, if I type it, it's going to be wrong. That's <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll give one of my favorite college stories. Um, you know, I, I was coaching at the University of Virginia the last 12 years, um, one of the best public universities in the world. Um, you can only recruit the right people that fit into the school, not a lot of wiggle room. Um, we went out to dinner one night with the golf team that was traveling, and we had a, a player, I won't say. Uh, we were eating dinner, and we are at an event, and we are going to get an inch of rain. And they were from California, so rain sparse. So, so we got to understand that. And she she looked at me and goes, "Oh my God, we're gonna get an inch of rain." I was like, "Yes." And she goes, "Does that hurt when it falls?" No. I, I was like, um, really? <laughs> "Yeah." I go, "I'm kind of confused." She goes, "So an inch of water just literally falls out of the sky?" No. <laughs> Come on. I, I swear before God, she was a freshman you in her. Be other and her other freshman was sitting at a table with her and was shaking her head. She was from Arizona and goes, that makes sense. Legit. Wow. hundred percent. I was just like, one inch rain. Oh yeah. People die all the time. You don't hear about that. 
They were hit by that inch of water falling from the sky. But that shows you the caliber of athlete that gets into some of the best institutions in the world uh, because they're really talented at hitting a little white ball. <laughs> it was classic. Uh, yeah, we had a, the dinner tables on golf trips were very enlightening. <laughs> when, when you sat around with a bunch of 18 to 21 year olds and, and hear their stories and, and their uh, understanding of, of the golf world and the world, it was, it's, it's enlightening, terrifying all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, gentlemen, any, uh, any good closing stories you want to uh, finish up with? We're looking at about 45 minutes right now. I think we save save more stories for next time. Next time we can do that. Yeah, because we could go on and on. Yeah, just and, need uh, to remember them. And, I think uh, I think I think what we do next time is I will tell a stupid thing that one of y'all did, and then y'all yes. can, can do the same about me. Be, okay, so all three of us tell one about you. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, you, yeah. Well, <laughs> it'll be like it'll be like a secret Santa. You pick the person you get to tell the stupid story about. Or or let's just roast Sweeney. Let's just make okay. it a roast. Or we can do that. I'll just, I'll just sit here. I'll just sit here on the hot seat and not open my mouth. That that kind of requires an in the pub podcast. Oh, yes. Would. yes. A I little bit I'll, of lubrication might help with that one. And I, I, I think what I'm going to have to do too is I'll have to set up a couple special guests that just come streaming in from nowhere. Oh no! <laughs> if we're going to do it, we're going to oh, do it. No. <laughs> what, what was maybe the bed and breakfast we had in Dublin? Yeah. I can go get week. pictures of that. <laughs> uh, that seems so long ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was that a white um, shirt once you're wearing, Brian? Yeah, no. God. My, uh, I got home, though, and all, my, all my, my suitcase, my luggage was completely clean, though. I don't come yeah. home from any trips with a completely um, clean suitcase, so that, that, that worked out well. Mm. No way. What'd you say, Gareth? <laughs> it, it, I mean, like you, you expect to go home washed out, but he didn't. He went home just absolutely pristine. That's yeah. right. All right, yeah. boys. Before we before we end, Jamie, if people want to learn more about Jamie Donaldson, where can they find you on the Instagram or the the yeah. web? Just uh, Instagram. I am Aimpoint Golf Europe. Twitter at Golf Donaldson, or you can just use the old fashioned email, which is Jamie at aimpointgolf.co.uk cool how about yourself gmac any any uh footprint out in the uh interweb there's a there's a small one out there at gate at uh, aimpoint golf ireland at gareth mcshay on twitter uh and at aimpoint golf ireland on facebook nice nice so uh as we're finished up the show uh, mark you have any closing words no, I'm gonna. I, I I've got to keep notes on this stuff going forward because some of them really stand out. And we know we've over the last 15 years we've had some real doozies. And the the thing, amazing thing to me is some of them come from well-established golf professionals. Yeah, you know they don't just come from new people to golf who legitimately just don't understand or don't know. But it's a little scary sometimes the stuff that people say who are fairly well-established in the industry. No, I agree. I think it was really difficult to find that that one super dumb comment. I, I was really thinking hard about this. I was like, my BS meter's gotten so good and the ability to ro let stuff just roll off my back and don't even waste my time to think about it. Uh, accessing some of this was a, a little more challenging than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, we appreciate your time. We appreciate everyone listening to In the Hunt.
Uh, keep giving us podcast ideas. Uh, keep contacting us. Uh, we look forward to speaking to you again next week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.